Thanks. Can all take a seat. <laughs> it's been ages since I've been called Mr. Show in church. It's a bit weird. Cool. So, hi everyone. So glad to see you all this morning. Hi to everyone watching at home internationally. I know that we have people watching from South Africa, in Nigeria. I know we're rivals with Ghana, so hi to people in Ghana as well, I guess. <laughs> um, and just welcome, we welcome you as family. We bless you and we love you. Ooh. So actually, during the worship time, I kind of was picking up the same thing in the spirit that um, Dan was picking up on in terms of it is Palm Sunday and it's a Sunday meant for victory. And when I was preparing this preach, I was going through my mind about what I wanted to say. And for those who like a title, it's called Desiring Prophecy. But I got a real sense before I even start the preach that I really want to declare victory over our church. I'm going to, I'm going to delve in a little bit more, but I really, just before I even start off, I don't necessarily know the ins and outs of what's going on in the lives of all of you, but I really get this sense of it is Palm Sunday, and I think people are struggling to claim their victory this morning. And again, I don't want to kind of uh, speak for you, but I feel like there's a couple of people who are just kind of like, I'm just going to fake it till I make it. And they've just kind of come to church this morning. They've acknowledged that it's Palm Sunday. And yeah, we're saying victory. And they're going, yeah, and clapping along, but they don't necessarily receive it in their heart. So this morning, before I, even, before I do anything else, I just want to declare that this is your day of victory. This is your day of victory. Lord, thank you so much for just what you're doing within our church, Lord, and thank you for how you're moving in the households of everyone here today, Lord. And I want to pray for everyone to just receive a fresh revelation of your spirit this morning, that they're claiming the victory that you have put aside for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that they're able to put all of their baggage at the foot of the cross this morning, Lord, and just look unto you, Lord, and just see the overwhelming joy that you have in store for them. So, Lord, we say thank you for our victory, Lord, and we claim it in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Amen. Cool. So this preach has actually been brewing up for a while in my mind, actually since the start of the year when we introduced the um, In The Flow series. And as a member of church, just generally, I, I just wanted to really get in the flow of what was going on, even when things felt a bit difficult, because just life is sometimes just a bit hard. And sometimes life is a bit of a slog, and I just really wanted to just be able to flow. So I heard that as equippers, we were saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be in the flow of church. And I got really, really excited. I was like, yes, I don't have to do anything. I was thinking, it reminded me actually of a preach that we had a few years ago, back when I was in university, many, many years ago. <laughs> and it was a preach that said, be a twig and not a salmon. And I was like, I remember that. And I just had this image of just being a twig and just being able to flow and not do anything. I just wanted to be able to just go, let go, let God. And if I'm in the flow, all I have to do is this. And just let God do what he needed to do. And I was really, really excited. And originally, actually, when I was preparing this speech, I thought it was just going to be on stillness because all I really wanted to do was, because I just couldn't be bothered, if I'm being honest. I just felt so tired. And I just wanted to, to kind of preach on um, being, being able to meditate on God's word and silence and stillness. Oh, what a dream that would be just to have silence. I have a two and a half year old in my house. Oh, what a dream silence would be. 
I love her very, very much. But just, does anyone in church just, not necessarily just like physical noise, but just metaphysical noise. Just, everything just feels so flipping loud all of the time. And all I want is to just be able to flow and just allow the Spirit of God to just wash over me and just be able to just be so airy like I go to Bethel Church and just, oh, yes, Jesus. I just want to have everything so calm and quiet. And, but just life is just so noisy all of the time. No matter, it's really, really difficult to escape. Energy bills are going up 1,052,000%. Inflation. I hate the Tories. I love the Tories. And then you try and escape from that and you go, you know what? I'm just not going to watch the news. I'm just going to concentrate on my family. Daddy, 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 daddy. I'm not going to say anything about my wife. She's wonderful. I'm just going to leave that one alone. And then you've got work as well and just all the presses of work. So you think, you know what? I'm just going to find some time to just um, get away from work. And then I'm just going to spend some time with me. What a horrible idea that is. <laughs> time alone with me and my own annoying thoughts. Oh, and everything just becomes so loud in my own head. Is it just me that even when you're, when you're alone... That's when things just seem to be the loudest. And you remember that annoying, embarrassing thing that you did in 1997? Why is that coming up now? I don't know, but it's just in my head. <laughs> Going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Life is just sometimes just so loud. And it can be easy to kind of get drawn into this idea that actually... <sighs> I just want everything to go away and to be quiet. Why is everything so busy? But is it really, is it that, is being quiet really what we're seeking? And as I was going through my preach yesterday with Becca, she was just like, Dude, but you're right, life just feels annoyingly loud at the moment. And I said to her, yeah, but that's not what actually we want. We're not looking for quiet. Quiet is actually, pure silence is unsettling. Very, very unsettling. Like I said, I have a daughter. If my house is quiet, I'm nervous. I'm like, what is she doing? Where is she? We're not looking for quiet. What we're actually looking for is, even in the midst of everything going on, I want the call of God over my life to be louder than everything else. So even as I'm walking through that, God chew me, I'm going, go on. I know the plans that are set before you. That call of God over my life is so overwhelmingly loud that even though I can hear this, that, and the other, his voice is louder than everything else. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want quiet. I want the call of God to be louder than everything else. So how do I get to the call of God? And hence why I arrived at Desire and Prophecy. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 6. And um, actually this... Um, chapter of Corinthians is actually about worship and it's how I stumbled upon the scripture in the first place. But I kind of just wanted to read the first six verses. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter the mysteries by the spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Amen. Amen. 
Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but, anyone, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I want to hear the call of God. Oh, sorry, there's more. Sorry. <laughs> I want to hear the, God, the call of God over my life. I want prophecy. And actually, when I look at the start of that verse, I kind of wanted to kind of go into, but what does that actually look like for me? And the start of the verse had um, two key words. It said, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spirit. And I actually did some research, the boring man that I am. I pulled out my concordance and did some studying. And I looked at the word follow, and the two things I picked out were this. Number one, this is not a passive process. To hear the voice of God is not a passive process. As much as I would like to think once again that all I'd have to do is do this, and just allow the call of God to wash over me. No, it's not about just standing still. If you look at the word follow, the word in Greek is dokeo. Can church say dokeo? I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I just read it in a book, so let's just assume. Let's just all nod along go, yeah, that's how you say it. Dokeo, which is the action of the heart and mind for processing. The action of your heart and mind working together for processing. Love in action. Then the second word um, where it says uh, desire is zeleo. Can church say zeleo? Sorry to any Greek people listening. If this is wrong, please keep out of the comment box online. Thank you. Um, and it's, I, I looked at the definition of this and I kind of got confused if I was being honest. I was reading and it said, to eagerly desire to the point of jealousy. And it literally says to be envious of, to covet. I thought, that's a bit weird. And I kind of read it and I thought, mm, I might have to leave that bit out. It doesn't really make sense. But I reread the verse again. And actually, it kind of led me to this point. If we go through the verse, it was talking about how prophecy, the one who prophesies, edifies the church. It's not about me. It's so easy to look at prophecy to think about, how is this going to serve me? How is this going to speak to me? And when I think about eagerly desiring prophecy, I always think, oh yeah, if I can hear the voice of God, I cannot, it make, will make life really easily because God will say, do this and I will do that. It will make everything really, really straightforward. But prophecy is not about me, it's about the church. So when we look at the whole verse together, we have to think about it as, it's not about us, it's about building up the church. You want to be actively engaging your heart and mind to seek the call of God specifically for church. So much that you get jealous. You want to be tripping over absolutely everyone to go, I want to prophesy for you. 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 I want to speak God's word over you. Pushing people out of the way. I'm so jealous. I've never thought that before. Imagine being jealous of someone prophesying. Dan comes up and goes, Ellie, I have a word for you. And before he opens his mouth, I'm like, get out of the way. Ugh. Me, I want to do it. I want to be the one to prophesy for Ellie. Me, 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 me. I want to be the one to do it. I'm so, I'm so overwhelmed with declaring the call of God over my church, over my family and church, that I want to be the one to do it. 
I'm so desperate, so desperate for his voice. I want to speak into the lives of everyone I know because I'm so, so, so glad that my God loves them and I need them to know. And I want to be the one to help bless them. And so often it's so easy to get it flipped the other way. Are we really, really rushing to prophesy over each other? Are we really, really rushing to speak life into each other? Or often do sometimes we come to church and go, come on, is it me today? Come on. It's so easy to have it the other way around. Yes, there are some people in church when the prophet comes into church. There are people in church that will be like, don't pick me, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. But then on the other side, you get people like, you know the auntie that wears black every week to church, but then she hears a prophet coming that week. So that week she's wearing a red scarf, yellow hat going. Always sits at the back row. This week she's sitting second row. People eagerly desire prophecy, but for themselves, not necessarily just for the church. People sometimes get jealous of prophecy. because like, why, why are they speaking over them and not me? But we have to flip that. It's why am I not being the one that's speak, speaking over someone? It shouldn't take a prophet to come outside of our church to come and speak life into someone. It should be us. It should be us. We should be the ones every single week, every single day, speaking life. We, imagine how edified our church would be if we were so pressured to be like, yes, I want to be the one to speak life over my brethren here this morning. I don't know why I use the word brethren. Such an old word. <laughs> Just came out. <laughs> so, what is prophecy then? I think when it comes to prophecy, it's really, really easy to kind of, kind of get lost in the weeds of what that looks like. And especially for someone who's not necessarily in church, it can look a bit weird, let's be honest. But I don't want to overcomplicate the spirit this morning. What I love about my faith in particular, my relationship with God is that, like, I spent three years studying a degree in molecular medicine and biochem. And I like looking at science and I like looking at how things are complicated. And I marvel at the fact that actually, when it comes to my faith, God just always makes it really, really simple in my mind, even though it's so easy for me to make it really, really complicated. And so this morning, what I don't want to do is make prophecy unobtainable. I don't want it to seem like this far off distant thing that only select people can do. I want to show this one that it's accessible for everyone it's accessible for absolutely everyone i wouldn't necessarily even call myself the most prophetic person in the world but what i can do is try and lean regularly lean into god's heartbeat and kind of say what i think he's saying in that moment and i realized today that there are many people who are on the journey of being able to prophesy some people don't necessarily easily hear the voice of God. There are some people who are just in tune all of the time. And my hope this morning is that this preach is not necessarily just for the people that need to learn, but for the people who are already there. Because I think sometimes, actually, when you are good at a gift, I, I know this as a teacher, when you're good at a gift, it's hard to explain it to someone else. Because especially if you're a prophetic person, I'm, I guarantee there will be someone who has come up to you and go, can you teach me how to, you know, well, I'm, not, I'm unsure. It's just something that I've just, I, I do. And so my hope for people who are there is that this helps you guide another person along in their journey, that this will help you in your discipleship. Amen?
Right. So, when I think about the word prophecy, and I, I looked it up, it was, the definition is literally to have an inspired message. A word from God which literally has life breathed into it. It's not overcomplicated. He just wants to encourage you and let you know that he's constantly encouraging you. It doesn't need to be dramatic in any way. In fact, one of the most powerful prophecies over my life was quite innocuous at the time. And I actually got reminded of it by TikTok, of all places. I was, I was watching a, a TikTok, and Becca sent it to me as well. Actually, I saw it, and then Becca sent it to me. It was a TikTok of um, too old for TikTok. Wow, I know. <laughs> Let me just say, lockdown was... <laughs> Lockdown was a long time. <laughs> Am I too old for TikTok? I saw TikTok. Yes, young people. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> so, and um, it was a TikTok of a, uh, I've said TikTok too many times before. Like, <laughs> it was a video of um, a child at university and the caption was, African children when they get um, dropped off at university. And then it suddenly cut to all their parents going, in the name of Jesus, like constantly praying, heavy, dramatic prayers. And then I had flashbacks of when I was 18. I remember one girl brought basically half her church to university. I went to the University of Essex. They were, they were splashing holy water over all four corners of the room, doing, oh, like, <laughs> holy, it was so, and I thought, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> luckily, my mom didn't bring half her church um, with her when I came to university, but she brought an auntie with her and they were praying and I was kind of like there just like I'm being a good Nigerian boy. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean Lorico Jesu. I was just like going again and again. I was like fine. And then it got to the end of prayer, silence. And this auntie, and actually I hadn't seen her in a long while. She just went, I won't do an accent mum, so don't I'm gonna I know I'm not trying to get beats at like thirty two years old. I'm not gonna I'm gonna butcher my own accent. But she turned around and went I've never really heard of Colchester before. <laughs> Who's heard of Colchester? I've never really heard of Colchester before. But I really get the feeling that you're meant to be here. And that was it. And honestly, that is one of the most powerful prophecies I've ever had in my entire life. And even at the time, I didn't necessarily understand the gravity of it. But there was no, there was no heavy speaking of tongues. There was no spiritual acrobatics. No one was doing backflips or anything to when they received the spirit. It was literally just, they, she finished praying and went, I really forget the sense that you're meant to be here. That was it. And at the time, I didn't even, it's not like I course corrected my life on the basis of that one word. But I held on to it and I was like, hmm, okay. It took encouragement because I decided actually not to go to medical school, but to go to the University of Essex instead. And I thought, oh, okay, that was nice. And yet, 14 years later, I'm still here. I kind of thought, actually, I mean, at the time, I wasn't massively thinking, oh, yeah, Colchester is the be and end all. I thought, I'm just going to do my degree here, figure out what I'm doing, and then go home, go back to London. I'm still here. And actually, that, every time I get, I get to a milestone of, of something that keeps me in Colchester, I always remember that, auntie. I always remember the word that she spoke over me. It wasn't dramatic. Again, I can't stress it. It was not dramatic. It was literally, I really feel like you're meant to be here. And that was it. That was it. 
But then I did my degree. I thought, all right, I'll stay an extra year, do my teacher training, and then go back to London. Then I met my wife. Hi. And then I ended up having a daughter. 14 years later, I'm still here on the basis of that one word. Let's not overcomplicate the spirit of God. It can be sometimes a quiet whisper that speaks directly into your spirit that goes, actually, this is a confirmation of what God is doing in you right now. Amen? It's so easy to think that actually when I want to receive prophecy or when I want or receive the word of God to think, I need to do something dramatic. I need to withdraw. But that's not what God wants for us. I need to, oh, I want to speak the word of God, so I need to focus. I need to have a holy moment. But focus is not about being able to concentrate on one thing. I think sometimes society looks at it as, if I can concentrate on that one thing, that is focus. No, focus is when everything else is going off, you can still have the presence of mind to concentrate on the one thing. And it's so easy to think, oh, I want to remove myself from everything. Yes, Lord, I want to hear from you. So therefore, I'm going to be really, really holy and go and retreat. And it's just going to be me, you, and we're just going to have so, so, such wonderful time together. But God is never calling us to withdraw. He wants us to be in the presence of what's going on, to speak his authority into the chaos. But society kind of has that flipped on its head. Don't get me wrong, I get it. As an extroverted introvert, totally get the one. <laughs> I really like to withdraw. I'll be honest, when lockdown was first on, I was like, you're telling me I have to stay inside my house and I don't have to see anyone? Oh, what a shame. <laughs> and I got to stay inside. People, people like to withdraw. Look at man caves. Can I just say, yeah? Man caves, definitely fought up by women. That's a female idea. I'm telling you right now. No man is smart enough to come up with a man cave. You mean there's a bit in the house that all the stuff that the wife doesn't like is in one place and she doesn't have to acknowledge it. The woman that first came out, she was definitely on the phone to her girlfriend. It worked. Yeah, yeah. So No, babe, but honestly, I'm telling you, I told him he can have his own little space. It's all there. I don't have to look at it. I don't even have to clean it. It's just there. Woman's idea, 100%. It's so intuitive to try and withdraw, but that's not what God is calling us to. Withdrawal is not the answer. You want, you want to be able to prophesy. You're not looking for withdrawal. You want peace. You're looking, you're looking for stillness, just like Dan was praying um, just after the worship. What we want is his stillness. That's what you're longing for. And you want to build in your stillness? Work in your relationship with him. You want to build your relationship with the Father? Find yourself in his word. Always comes back to the word. You want prophecy, then you want stillness. You want stillness, you need to work on your relationship. You want to work on your relationship, you need to find yourself in the word. Always starts in the word, amen? So if we look at uh, Mark 4, 35 to 41, we're going to look at a couple of examples of this. This is when um, Jesus is um, on the boat, overwhelming storm and the disciples are freaking out um jesus sorry 
That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who even is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Amen. Jesus didn't retreat. There was chaos all around. Did Jesus go, one moment. Go to the back of my God, I really need you to kind of hook me up right now and sort that out. No. He stood in the presence of it and went, quiet, be still, in the midst of everything. Didn't have to, re- didn't have to withdraw. Didn't have to re- retreat. He had the presence of mind, had the confidence of the Holy Spirit within him to go, I'm going to speak into this chaos right now. Didn't retreat at any point. And yet the disciples forgot the strength of their relationship they even said it at the end who even is this even the winds and the waves obey him so because they forgot the power of their relationship with the father they had no stillness and because they had no stillness they couldn't speak to the waves if your relationship is not right you will have no peace if you have no peace you will not be able to speak out the power of God into situations. Let's look at another example. Genesis 22, 6 to 8. Now this is when Abraham um, is going up the mountain with Isaac to sacrifice his only son to God after God has told him to do so. Uh, The word says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. No hesitation. Not a single bit of hesitation. He had peace in that moment. He had stillness in that moment. Why? Because he remembered his relationship with the Father. How did he have confidence in that relationship? Because he remembered the word God spoke over him, that your descendants will be greater than the amount of grain of sand on the earth and the number of stars in the sky. The word gave him confidence in his relationship. His relationship allowed him to have stillness and then be able to speak a word to say, God will provide. He prophesied in that moment. Word to relationship, to stillness, to be able to speak out prophecy. Didn't withdraw. If I can disrupt your relationship, I can rob you of your peace. If I can disrupt your relationship, I can rob you of your peace. Every man in the room knows that is true. If your wife is not happy, you do not have peace. Nothing. Not you, baby, you're fine. <laughs> you know, when you get home, she's not happy. Baby, you're all right. She doesn't even have to say anything. She's quiet, but there's no peace. Men watching at home, 
Don't laugh, don't smile, just look directly at the screen. Just look directly at me, look directly at me. Don't say anything else, don't even smile. Just agree in your spirit, you know this is true. If I can disrupt your relationship, I can rob you of your peace. So, how much more of us as the bride of Christ? Our relationship needs to be so tight with the Father for us to have peace. We have to be so tight with the Father to make sure that we have peace. If there's an issue, my wife doesn't even have to say, I know. I know. And as a result, I will go go and do my very best to rectify that issue and make sure that there is peace within my house so I don't have to sleep on the couch. Only kidding, baby. That's fine. (laughs) I'm not going to look up. I'm that scared. (laughs) So, So, if we look at Matthew 14, 28 to 33. Matthew 14, 28 to 33. Uh, It says, this is when Peter is about to get out of the boat and walk on water. He said, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink and said, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? So let's look. Oh, sorry. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. An acknowledgement of his relationship. So if we go back. The word, come, he said. He questioned the relationship at the beginning and went, Lord, is that you? Tell me to come out. The word of God spoke. He had therefore, the word of God led him to have relationship, confirmed his relationship, so allowed him to walk on the water. But the problem was, it got windy. How many times have you received the word of God? And you know who God is and you know what he's able to do, but just life got a little bit windy. I know it's not just me, but you can sit there with your hands down. Life just got a little bit windy. And even though you knew, and even though you read it, and you read that scripture on the way to work that day, that woman at work decided to test you. Or your boss at work decided to test you. Even though you received a word from God, you did your devotion that morning that was there, but it just got windy, didn't it? And that tested your relationship. And then what happened? When he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink. And so he had to reaffirm his relationship with the Father. Lord, save me. Even though he was right in front of him. Still saying, Lord, save me. You don't receive the word less than what? Let's say what, 30 seconds? Let's give him benefit out, two minutes before. Already heard the word, and yet he still, all it took was a bit of wind to allow him to doubt. I'm not here this morning to say that actually life doesn't get windy. I know life gets windy. We could do a whole nother preach about how life is windy for me in the past and how it's windy for me right now. But the strength of my relationship with my father allows me to have peace. The strength of my relationship with my father allows me to have peace. And because of that, I can speak with confidence into every situation. 
I like the fact that it relies on him speaking. Not me necessarily seeing him, but him speaking. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. So consequently, faith comes to hearing, hearing the message, and the message is here through the word about Christ. I like the fact that it doesn't say faith comes by seeing. I like the fact that it requires me to get to a place where actually I need to be able to hear him at all times. Even if I don't see him at all times, I hear him at all times. I know that life is loud. I know that life is windy, but God's call over my life doesn't stop at all. He's constantly over me, calling me, and that doesn't stop at any point. And I like the fact that faith comes by being able to tune in and hear that. The Lord come to us, the, the word comes to us in two forms. You have the Logos, word of God, which is basically the black and white of how we read it in the Bible. So we see it, we read it, and go, okay, this is what's happening. And it's important that when we're reading the Logos word of God, we go, actually, this is not a static representation of who God is, but a dynamic revelation of God to his people over time. Thank you, Shane Willard. Now, <laughs> but it's a dynamic revelation of God. How Abraham understood God is not how the Israelites understood God. It's not how David ultimately understood God. But it's a revelation of God to his people. And what I'm doing is seeing that journey throughout the Bible when I read the Logos word of God. But we also have the Rima word of God. And the Rima word of God is an utterance of his word for a specific moment, for a specific person, at a specific time. Prophecy. The Rima word of God is the word of God spoken over us for a specific moment, at a specific time, for a specific situation. How many times have you read scripture, the same scripture again and again and again, but today it just hits different? That's the Rima word of God. When it speaks to you at a specific moment, you go, actually, I needed to hear that today. That's when it hits different. So what we do to be able to be able to prophesy the Rima word of God is to build up the Logos. You want to create a well of the Logos word of God so that when it comes to a specific situation, you can speak the Rima word of God into someone's life. You want to build it up. I was having this conversation with my father-in-law yesterday. He was like, oh yeah, Samuel and all the Old Testament prophets had to memorize the Torah and memorize the text. How much easier would it be to say the right thing to the right person at the right time if you had the Bible memorized? I'm not taking any away from Samuel or anything. I don't want to get to heaven and go, what did you say? What? <laughs> But it would be so much easier if I just had memorized the Bible. I'd know exactly what to say. One of the things that I feel blessed by at work is people always say to me, you're upset. I'm going to take you to Io. I don't have a line of people who are upset outside my office. But the people I work with generally say, he always has the right thing to say. I don't. But what I do know is that I have a well of God's word within me so that when someone comes to me in this situation, I know what God is thinking for that person at that moment. And I, when someone's speaking to me, even because I'm ahead of year as well, so when a child comes to speak to me, I often sit there thinking, I am listening to them, but I often sit there thinking, okay, God, what do you want me to say? 
Or do you just need me to shut up and be here? What do you want me to say? And knowing what to say becomes a lot easier when you have a deep well of God's word within you because that will build my relationship, which will ultimately give me peace. And when I have peace, I can speak the Rima word of God over someone. Amen? Matthew 4, 1 to 4 actually talks about the Rima word of God. And it's about um, Jesus just got baptized and then goes out to the wilderness. And I like this for two reasons, so I'll read it out. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness tempted by the, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by, on bread alone, but on every word. That word there in Greek is rima. On every rima word that comes from the mouth of God. Every life-breathed word. That is what is going to cause me to live. Not by bread. And what I like about the origin of this story is, what did Jesus do after he got baptized? He went into the wilderness. He withdrew. What did Io say about 10 minutes ago? Don't withdraw. Hmm. Why? And the reason why I like this is actually Jesus is teaching us like, yes, you've just been baptized, but look what happens when you withdraw. I know some of you will withdraw, but what happened? The devil came for even Jesus himself. So if the devil can come for Jesus when he withdraws, but how did God, how did Jesus handle it? It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word, every rima word that comes from the mouth of God. He recited scripture to him because he had the deepest of wells. Again, if you look in Matthew 4 verses 5 to 7, it says, then the devil took him to the holy city that had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, then throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So the devil tries to twist the word. But because he had such a deep well, Jesus was able to answer, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Even when the devil comes to try and tempt you or comes to try and um, confuse you, even when the world seems windy, Everything else seems really, really loud. People are throwing your face back in your face, going, where's God? Isn't he supposed to save you? If you have the deepest of wells, that allows you to speak the Rima word of God, not over, only over yourself, but over someone's situation. We constantly, since we've moved into this building, we've constantly again and again said, oh, we want to be able to serve the community. We want them in this church. Are we ready? Are you ready? Really? Next week, all those people start coming here. How deep is your well? Are you ready? Are you ready for all these people to start coming? Rachel, can have you up, please? Thanks. So that's one of my questions to you this morning. How deep is your well? Ultimately, I really, really want to challenge everyone. How eagerly do you desire prophecy?
and for who? Are you really, really rushing to speak life over every single person in this church? Not only when you're here on a Sunday, but on Monday through to Sunday, are you thinking actually, Lord, give me a word for this person. Lord, give me a word for that person. And I'm not necessarily saying it's going to happen overnight. But eagerly desire it and allow it to come. doesn't have to be overcomplicated. You could literally just be reading. You can be investing in your Logos to build your relationship, to give yourself peace, to be able to speak a rumor word. And you come across a, word, a specific scripture and you go, I read the scripture and I thought of you today. That is being prophetic in itself. I read this and I thought of you. God led me to you in this moment. Now when you receive that text, that also sets you on a journey. You've received a word. So meditate on it. You don't have to take it as gospel, but receive the word. Meditate on it. Let it build your relationship. Let it give you peace so that you can go on to speak a rima word into a situation for someone else. And that is the cycle that we want to generate. We want it to be so endemic within our church. We want, we want it to be in absolutely everything that we do. Desiring prophecy constantly. Parents, how eager are you desiring prophecy for your children? Me and my mom have bited head over the years, but that's just because I'm annoying. But one thing I appreciate about my mom is when I was a kid, I used to vividly, I'll be asleep. As you'd be walking around the house, spraying the house with holy water, and praying over me whilst I slept. It was annoying. I'm like, Mom, it's 1 a.m. I'm trying to sleep. Or like I'd be like fast asleep and should get oil and be like, as I'm sleeping. But my mom was so dedicated to prophesying over her children. And I look at myself and my sister and I think, actually. I thank my mom for those prayers. I look at the jobs that we have. I look at how myself and my sister are both worship leaders and both consistent within our faith. And even though, yeah, we rebelled a bit as teen well, I say a bit, my mom would probably say a lot, <laughs> as teenagers. We're both worship leaders within, equi within equippers. And a lot of that is to do with the prayers that she showed in the middle of the night for the both of us. She declared word after word over us because she knew she was, she was a single mom, so she had to rely on the strength of her relationship with God. So she invested in the word, built her relationship, and that allowed her to have peace over her two children. And because she had peace over us, she was able to speak a rima word over us consistently. Husbands, how eagerly are you desiring a rima word for your wives? I was going over my preach yesterday with Becky. Becky went, do you have a word for me? I walked. Imagine if I said no. Like, oh. <laughs> I've, done, I've gone through all of this. But I love the fact that my wife can challenge me on that. Because it meant that actually, no, I, I need to be about this. Am I eagerly desiring a rima word for my wife on a consistent basis? Wives, are you eagerly desiring a rima word for your husbands on a consistent basis? 
Start within your families. Let's eagerly desire prophecy for one another. I cannot underestimate, understate, sorry, how impactful this will be on our church. I'm just so excited about what church is going to look like as a result of us eagerly desiring prophecy for one another, being able to consistently speak life. So that even when people come to visit, they feel it, feel it as well. Can we rise to our feet, please? Just want to pray for you for a bit. With all eyes closed. I just want to pray for anyone who life feels particularly windy or loud. And even though they've heard the word of God and they do have a relationship it just feels too much and yes it's Palm Sunday but I'm at church and I don't know if I can fully wholeheartedly claim my victory because it just feels too loud if that's anyone this morning can you just raise your hand signify by raising your hand I just want to pray with you this morning thank you thank you thank you thank you Those of you that have just raised your hand, I'm just going to pray with you this morning. And if you're near any of them, if you want to lay a hand, you can do. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of your word to us, Father. Lord, thank you so much that you allow us to have relationship with you and your desire is for us to have peace and stillness in the midst of the storm. Lord, and those people who have raised their hand this morning, Lord, I pray that you send your spirit to just reveal themselves, reveal itself to them right now. Your spirit is already there moving, Lord, but I want to pray that they're able to receive a fresh revelation of your spirit right now. Lord, that the call of God, the call of your voice becomes so overwhelmingly loud to them that they can smile, they can laugh in the face of adversity because they know that you are with them. Your word says that you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies and also in that same verse that you say that you lead us beside the still waters and I pray that you're able to come along these people right now and lead them beside still waters give them peace Lord grant them the authority to be able to declare ream a word over their situations in Jesus name and there might be some people here today that are not necessarily struggling with delivering a ream just struggling with the relationship aspect now you might not know Jesus at all or you might have had a moment with Jesus but you're flitting back back and forth because it just feels difficult and we always want to give this opportunity every single Sunday if you want to establish that connection with the Father this morning signify all eyes closed by just raising your hand.